Let's put God in the right place this morning. Let's give God center stage. You know, we're, we're using films as material, but you know, the real source is God. And the source is the word of God. And I want to read to you while you're still standing from Ephesians 2 verse 10. And it says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has designed you with purpose in mind. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has created you with intention. So God, as we open your word, as we think about some things, God, I pray that you would, you would help us start from this magnificent truth. God, that we are your masterpiece. That we were created for a purpose, God, that you have put dreams and hopes and intention inside of us. And God, from that basis, we want to we want to explore your word. God, we want to explore what you might have to say to us this morning. God, I pray that you would you would speak to us in a way that impacts us beyond this morning. Jesus, would you take your place? In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, you can grab your seat. You see, you are created with purpose. In fact, all of creation is created with intention. Everything that has been created has intention. Plants have an intention to grow. Animals have intention. I don't know if you've been watching Wild Alaska Live this week on BBC. If you haven't, go and watch it on iPlayer. It's amazing. There's sections of Alaska where all the salmon are flocking to and um, all, the, all the bears, all the orcas, all the eagles are all flocking to, to, uh, to Alaska because now is the time that it is best to feed there. And the salmon, they said something really interesting about the salmon. They said the salmon have this uncontrollable need to return to the place that they were born to breed. And actually each salmon, there is millions of the salmon, they all know the little river and the stream that they were born in and they go with intention back up the river. They swim up the river to return to the place where they were born. They were created with intention they can't get halfway up a river and think, I can't be bothered anymore. I'm going to buy a motorbike and have a midlife crisis. Like, they, they have intention and they fulfill that intention. Humans are the only creation that can miss what they were intended for. We are the only part of creation that can cannot achieve what we were intended for. You see, you and I were created with the greatest intention, with the highest intention. And that intention is to know God and to make him known. That is the intention by which we were created for. And sometimes we can feel like um, adverts tell us that we haven't got enough, so we think we need to get more stuff. And social media can tell us that we're not enough and we can look around at our world and compare to other people and think, I am not enough, I need to be more, I need to apply more filters or uh, kind of choose a better angle to take my photographs from. Whatever it is, we can feel like we're stuck living a life that we weren't intended for. And I want to start by letting each and every one of you, whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, God has designed you with the highest intention. 
God has planted purpose within you, within your heart, within your soul. God has created you with purpose. And in fact, the Bible says that he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God knew you before you were formed, before you were conceived, before your parents even thought about you. God knew you, which means that you and I were a dream in the mind of God before we were conceived. Isn't that incredible? You and I are not an accident. No matter the circumstances of your conception of how you came into this earth, you are not an accident. You are here on purpose. God has planned you. You were a dream in the mind of God, and God had created you for a purpose. And I want to explore that a little bit deeper this morning. You see, when often as Christians, we can talk about calling and purpose. Maybe if you're not a Christian, you might want to apply the words hopes, dreams, ambitions. And um, there can be quite a lot of tension around, particularly when you think about career and calling. Okay, um, I think a lot of people struggle with, with marrying that up together, is that you, you have a calling, you know you were created for more, but you've got this thing called a, a career that you feel like you've got to feed the kids, you've got to look after, you've got, you've got to be able to, to live in a house, and you've got to have this career. And sometimes it can feel like the two are mutually exclusive. Sometimes it can differ. I think um, I want you to know that you can live out your calling through your career. You know, you can be a doctor who is a Christian. You can be a Christian who is a teacher. You can be a student in your school or your college or your university and live out the purpose that God intended you for because we were created with the highest intention. The two aren't mutually exclusive. However, there are some people who have a career so that they can live out their calling. There's a guy in the Bible called Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he had a business of making tents. And he used that business in order so that he could live, so that he could fulfill his calling, which was telling people about Jesus. And he went all over uh, the world telling people about Jesus and spreading the good news of Jesus. And you might find that you're in a job that feels like it lacks purpose, that you're kind of just in that job to make ends meet. It might be that you feel like that and you want to find another place to live out your calling. You know, I think... Our heart here is that we, we ask people to serve and we invite people to serve, not just because we want to do certain things and we need enough people and we can't afford to pay everyone, so we ask you to volunteer. That is not why we ask you to volunteer. Our heart is, is that you, as part of this church, can live out your calling through what we do. So whenever somebody uh, comes to join the youth ministry or wants to chat to me about being a part of the youth work, I say, look, if this doesn't work for you, it does not work for us. Because I want people to find a place to live out their calling within the youth ministry. And if we can help that flourish, I would love that. Um, the other tension that we have is often people have a career that is their calling. And I would put myself in this bracket is that I feel called to young people. I feel called to help young people follow Jesus for the rest of their life. I want young people who don't know Jesus to find out about Jesus. And that is my career as well. I'm paid to do that, which is delightful. Um, but it can be a challenge and it can be a difficulty. And with, with all of that in mind, all those different tensions, I want us to look at Psalm 37, verse 4. And it says this, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, when we trust God, when we align our heart with God's heart, then our desires become the desires of God. And that's when he begins to, uh, we begin to see them played out 
in our lives. You see, I think when we think about career and calling, it's about aligning our heart with God's heart. And everyone is looking for purpose. Laura shared two weeks ago um, at our youth and kids celebration that 25% of young people want to know what it is that they should do with their life. People are looking for purpose, and it's not just young people. Laura's grandma, at the age of 102, um, was in a nursing home, and she felt God say to her, I want you to start a Bible study in your nursing group at the age of 102. You know, you're never too old for God to place fresh vision and fresh purpose in your life. You might think that you're done and you're retired. God's got a plan and a purpose for you in your retirement. God, no matter how old you are or how young you are, the purposes of God have no age restriction. You can live out the calling of God on your life, no matter how old you are. And you might think, he's not talking about La La Land yet. La La Land is a story about two young adults who know what they were created to do. They were created, Sebastian, who's played by uh, Ryan Gosling, he knows he was created for jazz. He loves jazz. He is all about jazz. And his dream, his vision, his calling is to set up a jazz club. And then you've got Mia, who's played by Emma Stone. Her dream, her ambition is to be an actress. And everything that she does in life is about being an actress. They know what their purpose is. And the story is about the two of them trying to live out their purpose, but then they fall in love. And it's a really interesting uh, dynamic, the two of them trying to live out their calling and maintain their relationship. And what I want to do is I want to pull some stuff from La La Land and some stuff from the Bible and figure out how do we live out our calling? How do we live out the calling that God has placed on our life? And I want to offer you five keys. I'm sure there's loads more, but I've only got time to give you five. The first one is passion. What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that when you see that it's wrong, gets you angry? What makes you passionate? You know, Sebastian is clearly passionate about jazz. There's this great scene um, where him and me are getting to know each other. They're in the flirting stages and they're hanging out and he begins to talk to her about jazz and she went, uh, jazz is just a little bit boring. And you can see his face drop and he goes on this huge rant with her and he takes her to all these jazz clubs and in the trailer he's talking about this is what jazz is it's it's compromise and it's conflict and it's very very exciting and you're thinking it's not it's really boring but he is super passionate and he does everything he can to convert Mia into his passion for jazz you see I think we've got to be passionate if we want to live out our calling we have to find what our passion is Nehemiah who's a guy in the old testament he was cupbearer to the king and it's the definition of a dead end job because he uh, he was his role if you don't know what a cupbearer was he basically had to taste the wine before the king drank it which sounds like a great job however he was tasting it because if it was poisoned Nehemiah would die not the king literally dead end job and he was there and he was in the presence of the king and he hears about his home city, Jerusalem, and hears about how it's in ruins and the walls are in ruins. And he prays this prayer and his passion wells up inside of him and it just overflows. And the king releases him and the rest of the book of Nehemiah is him living out his calling, but it started with his passion. What are you passionate about this morning? What makes you angry? What gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, if you 
or sat there thinking, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know where God is leading me on my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe start with passion. You know, Bob Geldof didn't know what his calling was, but he watched the news program about starving children in Africa and he found his passion and he started Live Aid and we've seen global poverty drop because he found his passion and many others along the way found their passion as well. My second point is innovation. Um, when I, uh, about 10 years ago, my grandfather passed away. And uh, when he died, I was working in uh, prisons. I was spending my time going in and out of prisons, which sounds typical for a scouser. Uh, but I was running a theatre company. And uh, my granddad, uh, for 20 to 30 years, had been part of the Gideons. And he was also going into prisons. And he was going and sitting with inmates and giving them Gideon Bibles and praying with them and talking to them about Jesus. And it was a really significant moment for us as a family because it felt like I was... I was taken on the baton for our family in, in prison work and um, it was really exciting. And then when my granddad passed away in the six to 12 months afterwards, I really struggled because I wasn't sure that God was calling me into it long term. And, but I felt this real privilege that I was carrying on what my granddad had done. But I felt this real burden as well that I couldn't step away from it. And uh, one Sunday morning, I was in the church that I was um, at in Manchester and the guy... Uh, used a quote from a guy called Mark Twain and he said this tradition is not wearing your grandfather's hat but it's buying a new one like he did and God just spoke to me and I thought do you know what I've got to live out my calling you know someone said to me afterwards the goal the goal is to innovate not emulate and you know if we want to if we want to live out the purposes and the calling that God has put on our lives we have to be willing to do something new we have to be willing to do something that hasn't been done before. Don't just do things the way they've always been done. Look for new ways to innovate. I'm going to show you a clip uh, from the film. I feel a bit under pressure because I know some life groups have watched La La Land this week. And I know they spent the whole film going, oh, maybe I'll use that clip. Um, so this is the one clip I'm using. Um, but this is uh, Sebastian has joined a jazz band in order to further his jazz career. And it's a, a jazz band that's trying to take jazz to the masses. And they're trying to do some new stuff. And he uh, goes along to the practice and he starts playing. And it's all normal jazz. And then all of a sudden, this fresh beat kicks in from nowhere. And it takes him totally by surprise. And it's this new sound that he's not heard in jazz. And you can see he's thinking, this ain't jazz. And then um, it cuts to a conversation between him and the lead singer of the band, who's played by John Legend. And this is the conversation that they have. Have a look. How are you going to be a revolutionary when you're such a traditionalist? It's a big quote. I had to pause it and stop for a moment and take it in. You know, I think we've got to look at how we do things new. Many of you will know last, last year, this time last year, we were looking at restructuring the youth work. And one of the big motivating factors is the stuff that had worked and the structures that had worked for 10 or 15 years with young people, the structures that I'd grown up in as a young person, weren't working anymore. And we could see that, that we were now leading a new generation of young people. And as a youth team, we, we got around and we said, look, we've got to rethink this. We've got to think about how do we reach a new generation of young people? 
So we innovated and we tried new things and, and we've done something that had never been done before and it's, it's been a real success and we're excited to see the future of it. But if we want to be a revolutionary, if we want to live out the calling that God has on our life, then we have to be willing to try new things. Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. As a side note, we as a church are passionate about innovation. We want to innovate, but we won't innovate the message because the message stays the same, but we innovate the method. We don't innovate the substance, we innovate the style. You see, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's the same faith, hope, and love. It's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that is at work within you. See, the, the message stays the same, but we will forever innovate the, the method in order to reach people because we want to stay relevant. We want people to hear the gospel of Jesus no matter what generation they are a part of. And, you know, a company that is brilliant at innovation is a company called Lego. Put your hand up if you've ever played with Lego. Put your, keep your hand up if you know a child that plays with Lego. You see, Lego is intergenerational. They have innovated through the years in order to stay relevant. Lego, my grandparents played with Lego. My parents did. I did. I'm sure if I have kids in the future, they will. Lego are brilliant innovators. And one of the key things that they do to innovate is my third key, and that is collaborate. You see, what Lego have managed to do is they've collaborated with other people. They've collaborated with Marvel. They've made Lego Movie, Lego Batman, Lego Hobbit, Lego Lord of the Rings. They've even made a Legoland Windsor, and you can go and experience Lego in mega form. Lego collaborate with other people in order to stay current and relevant. And if we are going to live out the calling and the purposes of God in our lives, we have to collaborate. You see, in the film, Mia and Sebastian, they spur each other on. Mia designs the logo for Seb's uh, jazz club. And then you have Seb, who, who um, helps Mia write the script for her one-woman show. You see, they collaborate together. They spur each other on in order to fulfill the destiny that they have in their minds for themselves. And we have to work together. Do you know the word collaboration doesn't appear in the Bible? But I think it does under the word unity. You see, unity is so important. Being a part of um, the same church, it's more than just being a part of the same church. It's more than just being in the same room on a Sunday morning at 9.30, 11.30, or at 4.30 in Hagley. It is more than that. It's about standing together. It's about standing for each other. It's about speaking positively to each other, but also speaking positively about each other when that person's not there. It's about living life together. That's why we value life groups so highly, because people grow in circles, not in rows. We want people to have relationship with each other. We want people to get to know each other, because that is where collaboration happens. You see, your level of collaboration is dictated by your level of conversation. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts, many parts, form one body, so it is with Christ. You see, we are called to be in relationship. We are called to collaborate together. I know that some of the best ideas for the youth ministry haven't come from me. 
They don't come when I'm sat at my desk trying to figure out rotors or sat staring into the, into the blankness of the office. They don't come like that. They come with collaboration. I, I collaborate with other youth pastors. We have a phenomenal youth team here at church and, and they pitch in their ideas. Our young people throw ideas at us. Collaboration means that we can live out the calling that God has designed for us. We have to be willing to collaborate. My fourth key is sacrifice. And there is huge tension in this. We all know that if we want to achieve something, if we want to live out the purpose of God in our life, we have to sacrifice. We know that it involves missing the odd episode of Love Island or the odd football match or or going to bed a bit later. We know that we have to sacrifice certain things. But that can be a real tension. Because what's interesting is this is where the film jars with what I want to say. Because in the film, Mia and Sebastian pursue their careers so much that they drop every effort to maintain their relationship. And the pursuit of their career is at the sacrifice of relationship. And I think we have to value relationship really, really highly. We have to guard our relationships. And the calling of God cannot be at the sacrifice of relationship. You see, God designed us to be in relationship with each other and with him. And I think there's been so many times where, where my calling and the pursuit of my calling has been more important than my relationship with God. And I wonder if it's the same for you. I wonder if sometimes the pursuit of your career has been more important than your pursuit of God. I think we've got to get the sacrifice right. You see, church is really important to be connected, like I've already said. One of the things that um, I've been here for five and a half years um, at Life Central slash Zion when it was when I joined. Um, and uh, what we noticed as a youth team was uh, around exam time, young people would go missing. About two months, we wouldn't see a lot of young people who were doing their GCSEs or their AS or A levels. And um, we would teach into it and spend a bit of time in April maybe talking about don't put God on the back burner during your exams. You've got to prioritise your relationship with God. Yes, exams are very, very important, but don't just drop God for two months. Keep him at the centre. Keep, keep a focus on him. But yet, still, we used to find that lots and lots of young people would just disappear and we wouldn't see them. And what we've done uh, this past academic year is we've innovated a little bit. And through what we've been doing on Wednesday nights, which has been called Cruise, we've done a revision crew, which has been as fun as it sounds. Um, but what we've, what we've said to the young people is, make a sacrifice, but make the sacrifice be choosing revision crew rather than a really fun crew and um, what we found is young people have come they've brought their revision notes down with them we've had a time where we've been able to to do a bit of teaching and praying together and then they've revised together and we've had teachers uh, who are part of the church come down and input into their lives and loads of young people have chosen to come to revision crew rather than just put god on the back burner And I think we can learn a lot from that. I think we can learn that that actually, yes, we need to make sacrifices, but we need to be very, very careful about the sacrifices that we make. And we need to not make sacrifices that involve losing out on relationship. My final key as uh, the band make their way up. My final key is get back up. 
You see, in the film, Mia gets knockback after knockback. She gets no after no at every audition, telling her she's not good enough, she doesn't get a call back. Sometimes no one even phones her back and says, no, she just hears nothing. And you hear in the trailer, she goes, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe this was just a pipe dream. And it's really interesting because Paul, who we talked about earlier, there's a moment in the book of Acts where he's living out his calling. And he's in a city and he's preaching the good news and he's seeing people turn to Jesus and he's seeing people get healed. And then all of a sudden things take a turn for the worse because um, people begin to see him as some sort of God. And he's trying to go, no, 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 I'm not a God. No, no, you're getting it wrong. And then it all goes even more pear-shaped and he ends up being stoned by the leaders of the city. And he's thrown out of the city. And it says this in Acts 14, verse 20. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. You know, I think we've all had moments where we've been on the outside of the city looking in. We've been on the outsides of our calling, of our destiny, of our dreams, of our hopes, looking in going, maybe it was just a pipe dream. Maybe I'm not good enough. I think we can all relate to Paul in this moment. I certainly can. I've been here five and a half years. I have quit several times, but I've just never told Leon. But you see, I know there's been times when I've walked away from the youth youth floor on a Friday night or a Wednesday night and gone, I don't think I can do this anymore. See, I've been there. I've looked at the edge of the city and looked on and gone, maybe this isn't for me anymore. But what's amazing is in that verse it says, but after the disciples had gathered round him, he got back up and went into the city. It doesn't say more than the the disciples gathered round him. But I bet you they looked after his wounds, gave him a bit of first aid, gave him a drink and a bit of food. I guarantee you they prayed for him. They gathered round and they prayed for their brother and they lifted him up and said, God, you've designed Paul with a purpose. You have planted intention in his heart. God, we want to see him fulfill that calling. So God, would you give him the strength to get back up and go again? And this morning, I want us to spend a bit of time responding. And uh, I think there's two responses. We're going to sing a song called, Here's My Heart, Lord. And the words say, speak what is true. And I think for a lot of us, we, you might know what your calling is or you might be still figuring it out. But I think we can all this morning offer, offer God our hearts and say, God, would you speak what is true? God, I know I was created with the highest intention. God, I know that you've placed purpose on me. God, would you speak into that this morning? And almost a moment of vulnerability before God and say, God, would you speak into this? Because I want to I wanna hold it with open hands before you. So when we sing, I'd just like you to do that if, if you feel that's appropriate and um, you can do that in your own heart. But I do think some of us need to respond um, to the get back up thing. And that you feel like you're stood on the edge of the city looking in, going, I'm fed up, I'm battered. I'm bruised. There's things happen that I didn't see coming. 
has feel like giving up. And we want to gather around you. We're not going to do anything weird. We've got a great prayer team and they would love to just come and pray for you and just lift you up and say, God, we, we pray for our brother and sister. God, we know you've created them with the highest intention to give them the strength to get back up again. There's no shame on being on the edge of the city. We have to find a way to get back up. And the only way I believe we can do that is with the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we stand together? And as we begin to sing, why don't you make your way forward if you feel like you need to respond to that word. Our our prayer team will be about um, ready to pray for you. There's people moving forward already, so if prayer team can be moving. But join with me as we sing, Here's My Heart, Lord.